Well, good morning. Welcome to Northridge. Glad to have you guys here. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know if the storms woke you up or not, but I know I ended up with one of my children uh, with bony knees in my bed last night. Uh, just, oh, dig it in. I was like, yeah, there's a child with us. Very good. And then uh, I told Alan this morning, I was like, uh, that was the last thing I knew. The next thing I knew, my alarm went off. So I was good. I went back to sleep. We're all set. So hopefully you guys are okay. Your trees are okay. But um, for those of you who are here for the very first time, I met a few of you. I haven't met all of you, and I look forward to it. Uh, but those of you who are here for the first time, we want you to know a couple of things. One, we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we believe that Sunday morning is not the only thing. It is just the tip of the iceberg and that we live every single minute of every day for Christ. But we want you to also know that no matter where you're at, maybe you, and we have some people at Northridge that don't even necessarily, they're not even sure where they're at in their belief in Jesus and in God. And that's okay too, because we want you to know this is a safe place for you to dig in and find out what does it look like, because we're all on that journey, to find out what does it look like, what does it mean, how does it feel to really follow Jesus on a daily basis uh, every single day. Uh, so glad to have you guys here. Well, I have a couple of questions for you this morning, and you're going to find out right away that at Northridge, we want to interact a little bit. It's not you get to sit there, I talk to you necessarily. Uh, yeah, there's a, a good portion of that, but really we have some responses. So I want to ask you some questions. So you can just raise your hand as you, as you kind of think about these questions. Um, the first question is, how many of you have ever been in any kind of a fight or argument or verbal, verbal or other, it doesn't have to be throwing punches, but how many of you have ever been in a fight or an argument before in your life? All right. If you're not raising your hand, liars, well, it's church. I'm just saying. Okay, whatever, suit, suit yourself, but whatever. All right. So yeah, pretty much all of us, right? So let me, let me ask you this question. Uh, how many of you won those fights? How many of you are willing to admit that? Yeah. Some of you are like, you should see the other guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I hear you. All right. How many of you would admit, admit this? How many of you kind of like you have that weird fascination thing? Like when you see a fight or you hear fights happening, you kind of want to go watch it. Like how many of you? Are there? Okay. Now some of you are really being dishonest. You're like, I'm not going to admit that in church in front of the pastor. Right. I hear you. I get it. So now, now I have a, a little bit more serious question that kind of relates to that. How many of you, and you can raise your hand on this too, how many of you would say that you have at least one, if not a few, fights or arguments that you have regretted having, or maybe how it turned out? All right, me too. My hand's up as well because I have way more than one. This topic of conflict and arguments and confrontation is a relevant topic, isn't it? It's, it's something that we all deal with. It's something that we deal with at work. We deal with it at home. We deal with it in our family. We deal with it with coworkers. We deal with it with neighbors and close friends, people we've known for decades, and we deal with it with perfect strangers. Have you ever had a perfect stranger take you off? I have, right? Absolutely. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You're, you're taking that parking spot? I've been waiting for that person to pull out like for five minutes, right? 
Okay? We have conflict and all that stuff. And so what we're going to do today is we're continuing our series, Two Ways to Live, where we're looking at the book of Proverbs. That's what we've been doing for the last several weeks. We're looking in the book of Proverbs for all the wisdom that Proverbs has for us. And today we're going to look at specifically conflict and confrontation more specifically within conflict. All right, the, the fact of how do we confront people with the truth and how do we need to react when we are confronted. Oh, isn't this going to be fun? Aren't you glad you showed up on Labor Day weekend, right? Welcome to your holiday weekend. But we need to dig into this topic because Proverbs has a lot to say about it, but it also has some great wisdom for us in knowing how to deal with conflict because it's something that we all deal with. But let's be honest, would you say, that? would you agree with the fact that we don't always do it well? I know I don't. And so we need to dig in and see what the wisdom says about this. So Proverbs in the Bible has a lot to say. So we're just going to jump in. I want to make kind of really three main points, but they're all going to come out of Proverbs today. There's tons of Proverbs. This is one of those topics where you look it up, you look into Proverbs. I mean, there is just passages everywhere. We could have spent the rest of the day looking at them, but we're going to spend just a, a little bit looking at a few. So the first one I'm going to share is Proverbs 17, 12. Might sound a little bit funny, but this is how we're going to start. Proverbs 17, 12 says this. It is safer to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than to confront a fool caught in foolishness. Yeah, that's where we're starting. Isn't that great? It is more difficult. Now, now I mean, if you look at this, uh, in fact, let me go back. Uh, the, the, the last summer before I graduated college, I went to Yellowstone National Park, and I worked in Yellowstone National Park with a whole bunch of my friends. Great summer. We saw some amazing things. Amazing. Uh, but one thing that we saw all the time, almost just about every day, was, called, was something that they call in Yellowstone National Park bear jams. Uh, and if you've never heard of a bear jam, a bear jam is very simply the traffic jam or the crowd and hordes of people that all of a sudden flock around when a grizzly bear is anywhere near, right? Because everybody wants to see the grizzly bear in the wild, right? I personally do too. And it, it's pretty awesome. We have this fascination with it. And so they would cause these bear jams. There'd just be hundreds, if not even thousands of people that would just pull off the side of the road and you couldn't get through because everybody's going around to get pictures of the grizzly bear. Well, one thing that we saw again and again and again and again and again that summer was that the rangers would have to get there really quickly whenever a bear jam would happen, and they would have to intervene between people who were getting too close to the muzzler grizzly bear and her cubs, you know, because they had to get the perfect picture, right? And so they'd get really, really close, and the ranger would have to step in and actually pull them away for their own safety. Now, the, the truth is, I think most of us have probably heard this, you never get in between a mother grizzly bear and her cubs, right? It's just not going to go well for you, right? I know you can say, preach it, brother, right? I mean, it's, you just don't do that. We all, anybody knows that. Now, some people in Yellowstone that, that summer, they forgot that. But I want you to think about this. I mean, a mother grizzly bear will absolutely go to business on you if you mess with her cubs. If, even if you're even close to her cubs, she's going to go crazy, right? And you're not going to be very good on it, right? Now, I want you to keep that in mind, and I want us to go back to this verse. It is safer for you to mess with a grizzly bear who has been robbed of her children than it is for you to confront somebody with the truth. Okay? Now, what does this mean? This brings us to our first point, which is this. And this isn't going to be mind-blowing, it's not going to be like, oh, wow, I'm glad I showed up today for this one. But here's the point. Confrontation and honesty 
is difficult. And you go, yeah, tell us something we don't know. But I think we don't know it. I think that we look at this and we go, yeah, but I don't think we do know this. I really don't. Or if we do, we just stay away from it. Because confrontation and honesty is really hard to do. It's something that, that we need to do. It's something that we need to not only, and this goes both ways, right? This is one of those things where confrontation needs to be honest. It needs to be truth, right? And so sometimes when you guys see somebody getting into something or doing something in their life, and let's be honest, we look at them and we say, wow, that's probably not smart. It's probably not good, right? And what do you do? More times than, than not, what most people do is we go, well, I hope it turns out okay for them, <laughs> And on we go, right? We don't want to confront them because we don't want them to get offended because we know how it's going to go if we call them out on their sin, don't we? It's probably not going to go well. They're probably not going to like us too well. I don't know about, how, about you, but when somebody calls me out, I'm not, my, my first inclination is not like, oh, thank you. This is so wonderful for you to tell me the truth of how much of a jerk I am. I appreciate that, right? We, do, we, don't, we don't appreciate that at all. Right away, the walls go up, and we're like, hey, who are you to call me out? I mean, I'm sure you make mistakes, right? And so we don't call out the truth, and we hold back on the truth, and we don't accept the truth because the truth is it's difficult, isn't it? Can we be honest about that? It is difficult. So this is a point that seems obvious, but it's something that we really have to wrestle with and that we have to recognize. And the truth is, this is what it leads to. It means that some things that should be said aren't, and it also means that if we bottle it up, and, and, and if you're like me, this is my problem. I tend to bottle, okay? I'm a bottler. I'm a corker, right? And so I'll bottle and I'll bottle and I'll bottle. And then weeks or months down the road, all of a sudden, what happens when you bottle? Something happens, right? And it's just like, it all comes out. And whoever's in front of me, I mean, just look out, right? Because it's like three or four times a year right? And if you're like in front of me on that, when it's like volcano, here we go. And, and, and bottle, and, and so some things that should be said are not said, but then the problem is we bottle, a lot of us bottle, let's be honest, if you're a bottler, let's admit it, right? Then some of us cork it, and then all of a sudden things that should have been said, but now they're coming out in the wrong way, and they never should have been said this way, are happening. And that causes conflict, doesn't it? Isn't conflict really what it comes down to is really us throwing things out maybe in an unhealthy way, right? Because conflict and tension is not necessarily bad, but how we deal with it is. What, how we respond to it is. So how is this relevant to us? Well, I think Proverbs has some great wisdom for us. If it is true that confrontation, that conflict is really hard to do, then how do we do that? Well, what are some key points that we should uh, learn from this? Well, Proverbs has a couple of points. So I want to share those. Proverbs 3.30 says this. It says, don't pick a fight without reason when no one has done you harm. If I were to put this in different words, choose your battles wisely. Choose your battles wisely. Now, again, this may seem self-explanatory. Some of these seems like, yeah, this is obvious. Okay, it's obvious, really? So, how many of you have ever made a big thing out of a little thing? Yeah, all right. I know you have. 
right? We make mountains out of molehills, don't we? I, when I do pre-marriage counseling, I tell every couple this, right? Those of you who have been through pre-marriage counseling, I've told you this. Whatever drives you just a little bit nuts now, once you get married, it's now going to be a mountain, I promise you. <laughs> Those of you who have been married, you know what I'm talking about, right? Because before Laura and I were married, I was patient. You know what I am now that we've been married? Slow. I kid you not. I was wonderful. I was patient. Now it's like, what are you doing? Let's go, right? Because little things become big things. And we make, we are good at making little things big things. And so the relevance is don't pick a fight without reason. Make sure that if you confront somebody, and if they're confronting you, make sure that there's a reason behind it. Don't make, some, don't make a mountain out of a molehill right? Now, again, you have to watch those little things because those little things can become, if you see that this is headed in a very bad place, that's okay. There's a reason then. But don't just pick fights to pick fights. I know some people, they love to just upset the apple. They love to see apples rolling. Let's upset the apple cart. Let's just for fun, right? Some people like this. Some of you are in here. You're weird that way. <laughs> Admit it. It's cool. But you like to overturn that apple cart. You like to, you like to kind of rock the boat a bit. Well, that's that's all right, but make sure that there's a reason that you're doing it, a reason behind it. So don't pick a fight without reason. Second, Proverbs 13.10 says this, pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. So you can either listen to advice or you can listen to pride. Now, the problem with pride is this. Pride is generally the main key instigator, which is why arguments start, okay? I want you to just think about any argument, most arguments that you've had, the vast majority of them, my guess is, at least most people I've met, including my own fights that I've had, the vast majority start because of pride. It's because somebody hurt my pride. Somebody stepped on my territory and I didn't like it, Right? That, that's kind of what it comes down to. Pride also keeps an argument going longer than it should. Have you ever known that? Where like you started fighting about the color of the carpet and then all of a sudden you're fighting about your finances and your kids and parenting and everything else, right? And you're like, how did we get here? I thought we were arguing whether it should be blue or orange, right? Why is that? You know why it is? It's because of pride. All of a sudden, the argument is no longer about the issue that you started with. Maybe it shouldn't have even started on the tiny thing. And pride starts arguments. Pride keeps arguments going longer than they should. And pride ends arguments in a bad way. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those, those fights that we said that sometimes we regret. Those fights that ended poorly, they probably ended poorly because of pride. I can guarantee you they didn't end well, right? I mean, they, they didn't end poorly because everybody was humble and had humility and they were trying to listen, right? That's not why the, the argument ended poorly. It ended poorly because one or both sides, one individual people or groups of people, doesn't matter what we're talking about, somebody did not let go of their pride. Somebody was willing, not willing to listen. They were unwilling to listen. And so the argument ended poorly. Now, again, I'm not saying anything that we don't know, but I think it needs to be called out. 
because it's something that we need to work on, that we need to deal with. And this is what Proverbs is talking about, is pride is the issue. Now, let me just tell you a truth about conflict and pride. The truth is, we don't like the truth. We say we do, but I don't think we actually do. We don't like the truth. When somebody calls us out for our stuff, as I joked about earlier, we're not like, oh, praise you. Yeah, this is great. Thanks for calling out my stuff. I, man, this, I love you so much. We don't like the truth. We don't like to hear it because sometimes the truth is ugly. And let me just tell you that pride is what blocks us from not only hearing the truth, but accepting it, doesn't it? It blocks us from hearing, like we can hear it physically in our ears, but it blocks us from understanding and really taking it to heart. Can I tell you one, one great truth? The greatest truths about yourself and about God and about other people's lives, the greatest truth that you're going to find is on the other side of your pride. You're going to have to get past your own pride in order to discover the truth about yourself and about God. Because if pride stays in the way, then we only see it through our lens and what we want. And when we see it through only our eyes and our lens, then we are selfish and prideful. Isn't this something that our world needs to hear? And so we've got to get past our pride in order to get to the truth and make sure we get there quickly. All right, let's get to the second point. Proverbs 25, 12 says this. To one who listens, valid criticism is like a gold earring or other gold jewelry. Now, this may seem strange, right? I mean, if you've never been into Proverbs, you're kind of like, these are weird, <laughs> right? You might like, we're talking about bear cubs, we're talking about gold jewelry, like, what's going on here? So what does this mean? What this is saying is very simply this. In fact, let me just give you the point because this is really kind of where we're going. Valid criticism is rare, valuable, and hard to replace. Now, it's important that it says valid criticism, right? Proverbs says valid. It didn't say criticism in general. It did not say criticism just that, that comes from anywhere or anyone. No, it doesn't say any criticism. It says valid criticism. Okay, what is valid? Valid means two things, really, okay? And this is oversimplifying it a bit, but we'll just oversimplify and keep to it, all right? So if you want to have a little pushback on me on this, that's totally cool. We can talk later, all right? But valid criticism basically has two parts to it. One, it's true, right? The person is not sharing it to hurt you. The person is not sharing it to manipulate something about you. The, the, it's just, it's true. It's true about you. It's true about somebody else. It's true criticism. So it's absolutely true. It has absolute truth to it. And then the second thing is it's coming from somebody who has your best interest at heart. Right? It's not just somebody randomly saying, hey, by the way, I noticed this. And you're like, who are you? What's your name again? Right? It comes from somebody who has your best interest at heart, and it's true. Valid criticism is rare value on hard to replace, kind of like gold jewelry. It has an intrinsic value. It's something that you cannot replace the value of because it's true about you. Now, the truth is, this goes both ways. Okay? Let's say that you are the one that has to confront somebody. Okay? 
What you need to think about is if you need to confront somebody in their sin or in their foolishness or they're doing something or they're living a certain way that you know is not good for them, it's, de- it's destructive to them, okay, then somebody has to call them out. Guess what? If you are good friends with that person, if you have a, a good relationship with that person, there's a really good possibility that you're the person to call them out. I know. Thankful for it, I'm sure, right? But that's the truth. God put us in relationship with other people partly for this reason, so that we can call each other out, so we can confront each other with the truth. Now, what I would say is, because of this verse, make sure that when you call somebody out, remember the whole don't pick a fight without a reason, make sure that your criticism is valid, which means it's true and that you have the best interest at heart for that person. Can I be honest with you? I think that there's two problems with this. I think that one, when we hear criticism from somebody that is valid and it's coming with their best interest at heart, I think we still don't accept it because we don't like to hear it. We're mad about it. And we're mad at that person for sharing it. But then two, I think that if we are the confronters, if we are the ones that are sharing the criticism, we need to be careful that we're not sharing the criticism with that person because they hurt us in the past. Did you hear me? Don't share criticism with somebody because they shared criticism with you and you're still bitter about it. Because that might actually undermine the validity of your criticism. And even if it's true, it's not going to come across very well because your heart isn't right. So make sure that when we do the confronting that we are giving valid criticism, that you truly are sharing it because you have their best interest at heart. And tell them that. And tell them that you struggled with it. That's okay. But then also, when we are confronted, I think that we need to hear this loud and clear because I think that this is maybe the biggest problem. When we hear truth about ourselves, we need to be sure to take it and accept it. Because here's the truth about this, I think. I, I know this is true for me. Deep down, when you hear somebody call you out for something in your life, Most of the time, now I understand there are something called blind spots, right? There are things that we are not aware of, things that we didn't know, we didn't realize we were doing that. You know, there's something somebody shares and says, hey, did you realize this? No. Wow, that's amazing. Those are blind spots, right? But for the most part, when somebody shares a valid critique, valid criticism about our life, professional, personal, otherwise, I think deep down, most of the time, we know whether or not it's true about ourselves, don't we? Can we be honest about that? Most of the time, deep down, we know whether or not it's true. The problem is, what's the problem? It's hard for us to accept or admit. Even though in the back of our heart, in the back of our mind, we like, yeah, that's what they're saying is so true. What comes out is, hey, stop. You know why? This is why. Can I tell you why? You know, my first response a lot of times to criticism is, well, let me explain it. My wife knows this because I do it all the time. I have a problem with this one. Uh, right away, I want to explain why. why. Why I messed up. Let me tell you why I messed up. Well, there's, there's, a, there's at least 117 reasons. I've got them all right here. Just give me time to get them out, right? I'll bet you guys are somewhat similar. We roll the tape. we like, okay, here we go. And we've got all these lists of why this criticism should not even be coming our way. But deep down, we know it's true. Let me tell you 
that our response to other people is the same response we should have to God. Did you guys know God calls us out? Some of you don't like to get into God's word because you know he's going to call you out through it. Some of you don't like to pray because of that. God will call us out if we allow him to. And this is how we need to respond if he calls us out. Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12. Listen to what he says. He says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when God corrects you, when he confronts you. For the Lord corrects or confronts those he loves. Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Right? This is, this is not, a parent doesn't confront or correct a child to be evil. Right? That's, that's not the point. The point is that if we love our children, we want to correct them because we want to set them on the right path. This is the same thing. Why do we reject God's then? We push back on God. When God calls us out on our stuff, we're like, uh-uh. I'm good. Thank you, but I'm good. And God says, no, trust me. This is a better path. We need to listen. Let me share a couple more truths. I'm throwing a lot of Proverbs at you this morning. I told you I would. Proverbs 10, 17 says, people who accept discipline are on the pathway to life. You want a better life? Accept God's discipline. But those who ignore correction will go astray. Proverbs 15, 32 If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Do you see a pattern here? Are you noticing the pattern of what God's Word is saying? Saying if you listen, God will show you the path. If you you really just ignore Him, then you're only going to harm yourself. This past month, I attended a conference, uh, and there was a gal named Angela Arentz that was one of the keynote speakers. And uh, I didn't know who she was until the conference. And so I don't know if you do. Some of you might know this if you get into a lot of business stuff. But Angela Arentz is currently the senior vice president of retail for Apple Incorporated. Okay? So she's like one of those lead team people at Apple. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Apple. Apple's doing pretty well, by the way. They sell a few things, just a few, right? I mean, last I checked, anyway, I won't get into that, but they're doing quite well. Before this, she was the CEO of Burberry, which was a very famous company in the UK. Very, very well-known, very highly uh, touted company there. Okay, but now she's at Apple, and she's been at Apple for several years. Now, one thing that we know about Apple is they are doing phenomenally well. (laughs) They sell really well, and which means is they have a ton of great people in their company. Well, Angela was sharing about this, and what she said is when they are hiring, and they're hiring constantly, all the time, Apple is, she said, when me and my team, when we are hiring, we are looking for specifically people who have a higher EQ rather than a higher IQ. Okay, now let me explain what that means. What she said is what they are looking for is they are looking for people who are self-aware, who understand that they have strengths and understand that they have weaknesses. But it's more than that. She said, we are looking for people who understand this, but also are willing to accept valid criticism from people who are going to call them out when they're not really raising the bar to where they need to be or when they're not honing their strengths like they need to be, or when they're not shoring up their weaknesses like they should be. They are looking for people. Now, it's not that they're not looking for intelligent people, like let's find the dumbest people that we possibly can, right? It's not what they're trying to do. 
That's not what she was saying at all. Yes, they can be intelligent, but what she's saying is the higher value than intellectual intelligence is they need to be emotionally intelligent. They need to understand conflict. They need to be okay with it. They need to deal with it well. In other words, these people, they need to accept the truth. They need to know what the truth is, and they need to be okay with it. And they need to call other people out with it as well. In fact, she shared this quote. I thought this was really good because this is what we all need to hear. She said, I can, I can teach you anything, but I can't teach you to care. Isn't that true? I can teach you anything. Like, if you're not quite competent yet, if you need to know how to do this, or if you need to know how to work through this, or this technology, whatever, I can teach you anything, but I can't teach you to care. And it's true. We need to be people who care enough about ourselves, our relationship with God and other people that we're willing to tell the truth and we're willing to accept the truth, no matter how hard it is. Can I be honest with you? I really, I'm going to hold off on that because we'll get into that in a minute. I don't need to stir that pot just yet. The truth is, I think that we have just, we've abandoned truth altogether about ourselves, about God, about this world. There are things happening in this world that we just disagree with totally, but we're not going to say anything because we don't want to offend anybody. I think we've abandoned truth for the most part. And I think we need to get it back. All right, last point. We must help each other become the best. This goes to the truth. We need to help each other grow and become the best. This is, you guys understand that this is why the church exists, right? The church does not exist for us to sit on nice, shiny, sometimes shiny, black chairs in a community center and feel good about the music and the message. Okay? I know I'm digging in, but I'm going to dig in. That is not what we are called to be or to do. You are the church. We are the church collectively. When you leave here, you're still the church. You're still Northridge Church. You are still on mission for Christ when you walk out this door, more so than you are even now almost. And so one thing that we are called to do as followers of Christ is to call each other out on our stuff and to say when we know that we're not right, and to encourage each other when we're down, right? When you know somebody at our, in our community or in our church or anybody, it doesn't matter, they could be a perfect stranger. You don't even know who they are. But if they are not doing well, if they're having a bad day, if they're going through something difficult, make sure you're there with them, ready and available to encourage them, lift them up. And when they go off on the wrong path, any one of us, you should be willing to call each other out. And by the way, this is probably the biggest point of it all. When somebody calls you out, make sure you listen. Because it might be coming from a place of pride. And if it is, oh, and by the way, like so every now and then we get anonymous like comments about the church and something that they would like to see tweaked and, and, and all kind of stuff. Do you know what we do with anonymous tips? We throw them away. In fact, sometimes I burn them just because. I'm like, ha, huh, you were a coward. That is awesome. We will not listen to you. 
because it wasn't valid and you didn't have our best interest. If you did, then you'd come talk to us face to face. So just so you know, anonymous tips, we don't even, we don't even care because it's not valid, not to us. If it's really important, come say it. Now, again, you, it sounds like I'm bitter. We don't get hardly any of those. I don't even, I can't even remember the last time I got one, to be honest. I'm just saying that we need to accept the truth when it comes our way because it might be valid. We need to evaluate that. And Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Have you heard that one? It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. As, a, as iron sharpens iron, so we sh- one person sharpens another. Confrontation, arguments, conflict, they're a part of life. But it's something that we need to do well so that we can grow from it. Right? It's just kind of like strength training. Resistance is not a problem. It is if we drop the weight on our face. Right? But if we use that in a good way, same way with conflict and tension, then it can help us to get stronger. It can help us grow. Same way with conflict and tension. The problem is that we just don't use, take on this responsibility of calling out the truth. Now, the problem is what happens when we don't call out the truth? Like I said, I think that we've abandoned truth. What happens? Well, let me give you an illustration. It might be kind of a silly illustration, but let me give you an illustration nonetheless. How many of you remember the kid's story or the kid's book, The Emperor's New Clothes? All right, you remember this story? Okay, for those of you who have never heard this story, there's a few of you I'm sure that haven't, and some of you, we just need a refresher. In fact, I had forgotten a couple of parts of it when I looked back at this story. Um, but, but essentially the story is this. There's this emperor, and he's really vain, right? He always has to look just perfect for everybody. And so he finds out that there's these two tailors, these two clothing makers that make the finest clothes in the kingdom. And so he calls them in and sure enough, they say, oh, your majesty, emperor, you know, we can make the finest clothes, but there's a catch to this. There's two catches. One, they're really expensive. (laughs) It's going to cost you a fortune. He's like, no problem. I'm really wealthy. Okay, good. But then there's a second problem. Okay, what's that? Well, they're invisible clothes. The clothes can only be seen by the wisest, smartest, most awesome people in the land. I added the word awesome, right? Because it's me, right? Awesome sauce. The most wise, most smartest, the most awesome people in the kingdom, they're the only ones that can see it. Everybody else, they won't be able to see it. Well, obviously, you know what's going on here. They're swindlers, right? And they're swindling the emperor. And so they go and they act like they're making the, the, the clothes. And so they come back a time later and they act like they're putting them on him and everything and the emperor. And they're like, oh, it doesn't they just feel great? Like, man, you look amazing and all that stuff. He's stark naked, right? And he's looking in the mirror and they're looking at him. And he's like, oh, your majesty, man, you just look so good. And of course, why does the emperor not say anything? Because he's like, man, I must be an idiot right? I don't want to admit that I might not be wise, that I might not be smart enough to see this. The tailors aren't going to call him out because they're swindling his money. His advisors aren't going to call him out because they don't want to confront the truth. This is the emperor. We're not going to mess with that. And so then as the story goes on, the emperor goes out and parades himself around while he's naked and and nobody says anything. The townspeople are like, I'm not going to call him out on that, right? I'm not going to say anything. Besides, it's kind of hilarious, right? Until finally a child, who apparently doesn't know better, but who we should take the example of, calls him out and says, hey, by the way, what's he doing? He's naked. 
and the cat's out of the bag. Kind of, a, when, I don't know about you, but when I heard that story as a kid, I thought, how ridiculous. Like, this would just never happen. This is silly. Like, who, who would ever do this kind of a thing? Is it that ridiculous? Or is it possible that that story is a really good description of our culture? I think that story is not ridiculous. I thought it was as a kid. I thought, that's how dumb. There's no way this would ever happen. And now that I've grown up, I realize that's like everyday life. No, people aren't walking around naked and we're not calling them out for it. I think we would do that. But let's be honest, guys. In our family, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, are there people doing things, saying things, treating people a certain way that you know should be called out, but you are too scared at offending them or losing a relationship with somebody, and so you don't say a word? Well, you're just as bad as all the people in the emperor's clothes. In fact, worse, because we're not talking about just clothing, we're talking about their life. And so there's a gal that I heard from named Sheila Heen. She also spoke at this conference. Some good stuff at this conference, by the way. And she mentioned that whenever people go into a conflict, into an argument, generally speaking, they, the first two questions that they have roiling around in their mind that they want answered right away are these two questions. This is what almost everybody goes into any conflict, any argument thinking. These are the two questions they want answered. Who's right? Who's right in this situation? Who's the right one? And whose fault is it? Who's right and whose fault? Why am I in this mess? Who messed up at work that, got, that the numbers didn't get to where they needed to go? Who messed up? I want to know whose fault it is. And I want to know who's right in this situation. Am I right? That's what we go into the argument thinking. And what she said, and she's right on with this, she said, That's the, those are the wrong questions. We should not even ask those questions in an argument. We should be asking two very different questions. These are the two questions that we should be asking. You, can, you should jot these down. Like these should be, like you should, this would take, this will probably take a while. But you should train yourself to think of these two questions instead of those two questions. Because I think of those two questions I just shared all the time. These are the two questions you should think of. First, what is the truth? Not who's right. It doesn't matter who's right. What matters is what's the truth. What is the truth and how can we learn from it? Right? What is the truth and how can we learn from it? And she shared these and they're just powerful, powerful questions. To be honest, this is one of those things that in my life I would say that I struggle with. Honestly, I'm not saying that just to make a connection. It's something that I struggle with. I, I don't like to confront people. I don't like to be confronted. Maybe some of you do. Maybe you're weird that way, but that's, that's cool. I just, I don't like to confront people and I don't like to be confronted. I, don't, I just don't do, deal with it well. I'm not usually like mad and prideful about it and all that kind of stuff, but I, but I also just don't like to do it because I don't like to offend people because I, I just love relationships so much, and, and, I, and I also don't accept it well. 
I don't know if you're there either. But so as a result of that, I've talked with my life coaches. These are people in my life who follow Christ to, to the T. I mean, I, I trust them and their relationship with Jesus more than anything. And, and so I asked them some of these deep questions. And I've brought this up. It wasn't something that they brought up. It's something that I brought up. And I called, the, I, I called myself out in this and said, hey, what do you, how do you view this? And one of my life coaches shared this with me, which I thought was really, really powerful. He said, a lot of people think that unity and peace is the absence of conflict and tension. He said, a lot of people think that. He said, a lot of people think that unity and peace, harmony in a, in a team, and a family, is the absence of conflict and tension. He said, that's not correct. He said, if there's no tension and no conflict, that means nobody's growing. He said, that's bad. He said, you, find, you give me a place where it's perfect peace and harmony, and that's where nobody's changing. Nobody's growing. Nothing, nothing good is happening. He said, but what unity and peace really is, is that when the tension and conflict does happen, when it grows, that the trust grows to match it. When tension rises, trust must rise. Okay, let, let me tell you what usually happens. Okay, let's, let's go to a boardroom or a team meeting at work. And one team member calls out another team member for something that happened, right? How does that go in the room? Right? Is it like, mm, let's sing Kumbaya, bring it in. Let's light a fire. I doubt it. Right? <laughs> right? And it, go, and it starts going. Why? Because what happens is we think that conflict and tension is bad. It's not. Somebody calling out somebody else for whatever the case is, if it's valid criticism, is good. Because you need to fix it. But the problem is we get defensive and we protect our territory instead of what should we do? We need to raise the level of trust to meet the level of tension in the room. How do you do that? You continue to share the truth from a place of understanding and from love rather than defending your own territory. I've been giving you a lot. The best resource for all this conflict stuff is in here. If you have conflict right now with somebody in your life, family, professional, neighbor, uh, stranger that you can't stand, <laughs> you don't know him or her well, but you're like, seriously. This will give you the best advice that you can ever find. But let me give you one other resource because I think it'll be helpful to you. Uh, there's a book out there called Crucial Conversations. Some of you maybe have heard of this book. A lot of people hadn't. I I would, I'm serious that I would, I would jump into this. Now, this is, this is secondary to this. This is where you're going to get all your wisdom. This just kind of goes along with that, okay? Crucial conversations. If you have, if you're dealing with conflict at work, if you lead a team at work, if you have conflict in your family, if you are needing to confront somebody about something serious and you have been putting it off for months, maybe years, some of you have been putting something off for years. I know. This is a book that you should just, you should just look into it. Because it not only professionally, but also personally, it shares how we need to go into these crucial conversations. It's a, I haven't read the whole thing, but I've dabbled in various parts of it. It's just, it's very good. Very good. I highly recommend it. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this. God loves you. God always has loved you. He always will. And because God loves you, 
he's going to call you out on your sin. If you have an addiction that you haven't dealt with, you know what that is? That's your own pride holding you back, just so you know. It's you saying, I don't, it's not important enough to me to take care of it. I know it's difficult. I know it's got a stranglehold on you. But that's just your own pride. Just let's be, can we be honest about it? God's been calling you out on it. If God's calling you out on it, you need to deal with it. If there's something you're doing, something you're watching, something you're living, some way you're treating somebody, and God's called you out on it, you need to deal with it. Take it as valid criticism. Just so that we're clear, if, it, if you are I- impacted or convicted by God on something, just so that we're very clear about this, when it comes from God, it's always valid criticism. Always. Like, it's never like, well, I think God might be a little off on this one. Just so we're clear, God's never off, right? When God calls you out, it's because he loves you. And he wants absolutely the best life for you. In fact, I want to give you one more quote that I heard at that conference because I think it'll help you understand why we need to call each other on the truth and accept the truth better. It is this. It says, having difficult conversations or calling people out, having calling the truth, shows you deeply care about what you are doing and who you are doing this with. If you're unwilling to call somebody on the truth, then it means you don't care enough about them and you don't care enough about your own life. That's the honest truth. And I think we're in a culture that has decided that the higher value is not to offend somebody and let's push the truth down. I'm sorry, but I think that's the culture we live in. We have, we, have, uh, we have now put in a culture where the truth doesn't really actually matter. We just don't want to offend people. I think that we need to, uh, I'm not saying we should go around and, and call and act. Like if I see somebody spitting on the sidewalk, oh my goodness, come over here. Right? I'm not saying we should go around being jerks. Like that's the opposite of what we should be doing. But what we should definitely be doing is when we see that truth should be called out and we're holding it back, that's evil. And we need to start be willing to call the truth. And when somebody calls us on the truth, accept it with humility. And then we're going to get better as a result. As iron sharpens iron, let's sharpen each other. And let's do some great things that God wants us to do, but within the truth. Let's pray.